This is a story of sorts, the podcast mostly about bookish stuff, and I am your host, Karina Pereira. Hello everyone, welcome to the first footnotes of 2022, and today I am going to talk about the favorite books I've read in 2021. 2021 was, at the same time, a very good reading year and a terrible reading year. I read really good books and I've read 101 books, which is the most I've ever read in one year. But, on the other hand, I had a lot of reading slumps. I had to read a lot of books that maybe I wasn't, you know, deciding for myself to read them. I just had to read them for interviews and book clubs. And I think the fact that I had to read those books immediately made me not want to read them, which is terrible because I have loved so many books this year. And I think if I had picked up certain books without having to read them for whatever reason, I would have loved them. And I still want to read some books that I ended up not reading, pick them up later. But yeah, I kind of felt there was always this rush to get to books every month, which kind of took the joy out of what I was reading. Actually, I have written a post for Book Riot about that, about how I've read 100 books this year, actually 101, but that is not something I'm going to be aiming to do ever again. Not because I don't think I've gotten anything from those books, I definitely did, but because, especially in December, like, I got to the end of November and I had read 90 books. So when you're that close to the end of the year, but you still have a month, you kind of want to, you know, aim for the 100, for the round number. So it kind of ruined it for me, especially because at the beginning of December I took a long time to read a very short book that I thought I was going to read, like, in, like, two or three days. And that was not the case. So if it wasn't for audiobooks, I actually wouldn't have reached this number. But I always listen to audiobooks on my way to work, so that helped. But this is definitely not something I'm going to aim for next year. I'm going to relax about how many books I read every month, because I think that's how you should consume literature. You should read because you want to read them. You should have fun while reading it. You shouldn't have to rush through the story and I think it will make me a world of good to just be able to think about what I'm reading better instead of always focusing on the next book that I'm going to pick. And I am also going to try and see if I can, you know, I'm not saying the NFing books is exactly a good thing, I think it is like a neutral space. It's not bad, it's not good. Like if you DNF a book you make space for other books that you want to read and are good for you. But I also think that you are able to pick up books that you DNF'd later. Maybe you were just not in the mood to read those books at the time. So I think I'm I'm gonna keep all these things in consideration. Maybe come back to books I, I gave up on or authors I didn't like at first, which is something that I do very often. I don't like an author or a book by one author and then I never pick that author up again. It's just like, it's over. <laughs> you didn't get my attention on the first book I read, so I'm not going to try again because I'm afraid I will be disappointed and I also want to change that. But those are the things I want to do as a reader. I want to be more conscious and, you know, take more time to immerse myself in the books. But right now we are going to talk then about my favorite books of 2021. I did a top five. I actually wrote about them for Bored to Death Book Club, which is hosted by Esme the Hare, and I interviewed her for last year. I think it was the second episode of the season, so you can listen back to it if you want. 
So because she was asking people to choose their five favorite books of the year, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to do a top five and I'm going to be very strict because last year, I think like last year was an amazing year reading wise. I've read so many amazing books. Um, I'm sorry, I said last year, but by last year, I actually mean 2020. And at the end of the year, I actually had a list with 25 favorite books because I could not reduce it more, or at least I didn't try. And it's so many books. And for this year, I was like, no, I'm going to choose like my five favorite books of the year and that's it. So I wrote to Bored to Death Book Club about it and I'll leave the link in the show's notes if you want to read it. But today, I'm going to talk about those five books, but I am actually starting with a honorable mention. So books that if I had given myself permission to, you know, do a, a, a longer list of favorite books, I would definitely have included. But these books, I am not reviewing them. They are already reviewed on my Instagram, so you can find them all there. But I am going to mention them so that you know the other books that I also really, really loved last year. And then I am going to go into the top five and talk about each of them with a little bit more detail. So let's get into it. Honorable Mentions. Sisters by Daisy Johnson. The Long Dry by Kunan Jones. The Kindest Lie by Nancy Johnson. Milk Fed by Melissa Brother. Yoke by Mary Kay Choi. The Seed Keeper by Diane Wilson. Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Bully. I think that's how you pronounce her name, Bully. The Guest List by Lucy Foley. And The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. As I said, I have reviewed these books on, on my Instagram account. I probably talked about them before, you know, during last season. Uh, but these are like the books that I really, really loved last year as well. And now this is the top five and it is in order. So I'm I'm actually like going from the least favorite to the most favorite, even though I mean, take into account that they were all very much favorite books. So they're all amazing in their own way, but it's just like some of them stayed in my mind more than others. And actually the first one, the one that I loved the most, I want to reread it for sure this year. So let's get into it. The first one was or in this case, like the last one, the last one from the favorites was Cantoras by Carolina de Robertis. This book was um, referred to me or actually referred to their followers by Casey the Reader on Instagram because they really loved this book and I saw them talking about it very often and I ended up buying it. It actually is, I have a feeling it's not wide known even in the queer accounts that I follow. But I also think that the, the accounts that I follow that talk a lot about, you know, sapphic retellings are very often more focused on young adult and romance. This one, Cantores, is, it takes place in Uruguay and during the dictatorship. And there are these five women that come together and get to know each other. And they are a little bit of like a safe haven for each other during that time, during the time of dictatorship. And obviously, during that time, it was also illegal to have a relationship with someone of the same gender. So they eventually find a place by the sea and it becomes like their little island, their little place where they, they come back often to be with each other and to be individually themselves. So 
throughout the years, because this the story takes place throughout many years, you see how their relationships develop, both friendship as romantic relationships. You get to know each one of the characters. And the amazing thing is that, at least personally, I could not really find one person one woman that I liked more than the other. They all had their own things and they were all special and flawed in different ways, very different ways, but at the same time in, in, in a way that you kind of like them all and you are engaged with all of them and the way that they live their lives and, you know, find the best in in the time and place that they were at. So I really love the story and if you are looking for sapphic stories, especially historical romances. Well, not romance, because romance, to be a romance, it has to have a really happy ever after, or this is more about community. This is a lot more about queer queer community, finding family. I couldn't say that word. This is really about queer community, found family, and of course, the fear of a dictatorship, the fear of living your life in a place that doesn't allow you to be who you are, and yet finding people who accept you for who you are. I really, really loved it. The second one, a very known one, at least on Instagram, social media, Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. I loved, I absolutely loved this story. It is a story of immigration. It is a story of a time in history that I really honestly knew nothing about. And it's about Korean immigrants going to Japan. It's a story across generations so it takes it's a really long book actually it was the longest book i've read this year according to goodreads but every single detail in the story is important to the story i do not feel like the author has decided to just you know tell you things and show you things that are not important to the story even though the book is so long and i absolutely love the narrative i loved the story I loved the characters and it's curious how you kind of go, you know, from generation to generation and you get involved in the story of those people. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. So if you were, you know, kind of considering, oh, it's a long book, should I read it? Should I not? Go for it. I do not like big books and I cannot lie, but I absolutely love this one. The audiobook is amazing. So, you know, if you're a bit worried about picking up the book in print, pick it up in audiobook. It's amazing. I have a few codes for LibreFM that you can use. Check the show's notes. Tender is the Flesh by Augustina Basterica. I listened to this book on my way to work. It's absolutely terrifying. I've said this before and I will continue to say this every time I talk about this book. It is under the horror genre, but horror does not define. It is not enough to talk about this book. The, Because it is completely out... It's not just scary. Like, it isn't scary. But to think about it and to to compare it to the way that we view, for example, animals and eating animals right now as humans, it is disturbing. And I am a meat eater. But Tender is a Flesh uh, talks about a world in which a virus swept the earth of animals. So animals don't exist anymore. They died from that virus. So people started growing humans for consumption. They started the same way that we do with cattle. They started to create humans merely to be consumed, to be eaten by other humans. A second-class human if you will. And the things that happen there, and I think what's the scariest or the most terrifying thing about the story, is that it is so believable in a way. You hope, 
you know, humanity will never get to it because we don't need to consume and to eat as much meat as we do on a daily basis. But you, the, the things that the metaphors that they use to the way that even they kill human beings, like, oh, this is the humane way to kill this human being. And you kind of realize there is no humane way because you are literally killing people you are and like if you think about animals in the same way and now we disrespect them and now we kill them and now we just eat them and now we made that so you know such a a normal thing in life the way that we do it i'm not saying that people shouldn't eat meat at all but the way that we do it is just yeah it's terrible also there is like there is a main character there is like this character that is basically telling the story and he works in a slaughterhouse he does not slaughter the animals but he supervises and he is completely again this new way of living but he has a father in a like in a home because his father is disabled and he needs the money to pay those bills so that his father can be well taken care of so he's absolutely horrified by everything around him and he does not agree but he in a way he doesn't have a choice but then in the end like the ending is absolutely terrible and amazing i like i was not expecting it at all. I did not expect things to go that way, especially because the whole book is about grief as well. And in the end, the author just serves you the end and finishes the book and it's like, now sit with that. Now sit with the way humans think and behave and and yeah, just deal with your own trauma and deal with the trauma that inflicted to you by the book. It was absolutely amazing i really love this book i've been trying to read more horror the last year and this is the type of horror that i like even though it is absolutely terrible absolutely terrible but so so good the next book lighter a lot lighter <laughs> it's a uh, nothing to see here by kevin wilson and honestly i thought i had read the book last year because well it was one of the first books i've read this year and it seems so long ago because again i read so many books and i absolutely adored this book the audiobook is amazing because the narrator is one of the best narrators i've ever found and she manages to incorporate each character individually even though it is the same voice like, she doesn't make different voices, but the quirks that she gives to the characters just makes them so individual and so clear in your mind who is who and who's talking. It's amazing. And, and it actually helps you to see the characters in your mind. Like, I don't know how the characters look like. There isn't a lot of description, but I do through the narration. The book is about this woman and, like, don't ask me about her name. I forget the names of every single character I read in books. But anyway, there's this main character and she gets called in by someone who used to be her best friend in college. And she gets called in by her to become babysitter for two of that best friend's step kids, a boy and a girl. The thing that the best friend forgot to mention is that the kids set on fire. So... The main character goes to the house because she has nothing to lose. She is like in a rut in her life. So she goes to the house and then the best friend is like, hmm, maybe I should mention this that I did not. And that's why we need your help because we can't, we can't just hire anyone. And yeah, it's very like my husband is a politician. So we need to kind of contain the situation that literally my stepkids uh, burst into flames at random times. So the whole story 
is about this character and the relationship that she develops with the kids and how she tackles the, 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 the situation at hand and deals with whatever is causing the situation. But it is, it is very sad in a sense because this obviously comes from trauma as well. And every single one of the main three characters, let's say the main character and the kids, has trauma to deal with and, you know, and they kind of find each other even though they did not ask for that. But it is extremely funny. Like, the book is hilarious. Um, the way that Wilson writes, is ju it just makes you laugh and cry at the same time. So he kind of picks up this terrible situation and it just makes it funny. And I absolutely loved it because it's light, even though it deals with a very heavy theme. It just It's very light and, well, it's not cozy, but... If someone is looking for a read that kind of makes you feel good at the end of it, this one is perfect. The first, first, my favorite book of this year that actually went into my list of favorite books ever is a book that isn't yet out. It comes out in April, the 22nd, if I'm not mistaken, and it is called Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. I had never read anything by the author before, even though she is very well known. But when the book came into, you know, Edelweiss and Ed Gally, I kind of got a bit of homo because everybody was talking about it. Oh, there's a new book by Mandel. There's a new book by Mandel. So I immediately requested. Luckily, I got approved and I decided, okay, let's try it out. Let's see why everybody's so excited. And let me tell you, it's, it's amazing. Um, the writing is amazing. The characters, I don't, I, it's so, I became so emotional reading it. Like there's so much to unpack in that book. And the story is basically, it plays with the idea of what if we are a computer simulation, right? Which is a theory that has been going around for a while. What if Earth, you know, what we experience as human beings is nothing more than a computer simulation, the the story focus on it it is it takes place in different eras so you have a guy from the past and then there's someone from the present someone from the future there's many more characters but there are like i think two or three main characters for for each era and for each story and you kind of see the story developing with like with the premise you start figuring out the premise and then in the end honestly I think mainly because it goes towards something that I believe myself, the book really gives you hope. Like, it, it is such a hopeful story. And, and like I said, it is very well told as well. I loved the narrative. I loved the way she writes. Each character is so well developed and you get to care so much for each character, even though you don't spend like an awful lot of time with them. It's not like a super long book, but you get to care for those characters so much. And in the end, it just ends up giving you so much hope and so much hope for humanity. And I don't know, it just struck a chord with me and I really enjoyed it. I have in the meantime read Station Eleven by the same author. I actually was, I started it in December and then I finished it on the first day of the year. So it was my first book of this year. It's amazing, but I still liked Sea of Tranquility better. I, I still think it is better than Station Eleven, which is saying a lot because Station Eleven was absolutely amazing. So I will not stop talking about this book until it comes out and then I'm going to reread it when it comes out. I already decided I'm going to pre-order it and I'm going to reread it again because it's just like a balm to the soul. 
even though you spend a lot of the time worried in the book, it, it's absolutely amazing. So if you were thinking about or if you were considering buying this book, you have my seal of approval to do it. Not that you need that, but just know that I really loved it and I think it's really worth it. So these were my top five books of the year and I hope you know that this helps you to maybe get into a book or if you have different idea from me if you have read any of these books and you're like Karina that's that just the book was just not it come talk to me I'm always open to chat about books on Instagram as I have explained before in the last episode of last season I am going to have one interview a month I am going to have um, an episode where I either talk about the books I have read or I recommend one book specifically, maybe both things even. That is the plan. But I'm very happy to be, you know, doing these episodes again and to talk to you about the books that I read. But sometimes this feels a bit lonely because it's just me telling you what I like. So if you can, just come chat with me on Instagram about the books you have loved last year. Next month, I will get a little bit into the books that I have read in January, so stick around for that. You can access today's show's notes via my pod page, which you can find along with all of my social media links at linktree slash Karina Pereira. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting A Story of Sorts on Patreon. Patreon is a platform which allows you to contribute monthly to the podcast in exchange for extra content such as early access to episodes, a shout-out at the end of an episode and on Instagram, and choosing a theme for me to talk about on the podcast. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash astoryofsorts. Leaving a review would also be highly appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to get a notification when the next episode hits. I'll talk to you then, and thank you for listening.